Welcome to the Ag Future Podcast, presented by Alltech. Join us as we explore the future of farming, food, and nutrition. Can we provide the engineering solutions to meet the harsh environment of the open ocean? And can we realistically produce five kilo salmon onshore in closed systems? I'm talking with Dr. Oyvin Filling Jensen, CEO of NOFEMA, the Norwegian Institute of Food, Fisheries, and Aquaculture Research. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. Dr. Filling Jensen, when we talk about engineering solutions for the fish industry, particularly salmon, are we actually talking about breeding or is this all-encompassing from tank technology to genetics? I, I think you have to look upon it as a value chain where breeding and genetics is one of the input factors into producing uh, good salmon. And if your starting materials is of high quality, your output material is like, uh, more likely to be of high quality as well. But uh, then you have other input factors like the feed, the rearing conditions, and the whole way through the processing, which makes the end product, which is actually what the consumer meets. And unless that has a high quality, people won't buy it. How far would you say that the industry has come in breeding salmon? And what are some of the end goals in breeding for this species? I think uh, in breeding, we are starting to see some development. Historically, it has been traditional family breeding and uh, family line breeding. Then over the last uh, few years with modern technology, you've been able to use SNP markers and QTL markers for disease so that you're able to breed for uh, disease resistance actually then reducing the chances of uh, viral diseases, for instance. And then in the future, if you look a little bit further on, you might see a new technology use, uh, like uh, CRISPR-Cas9 that will be even pushing us further to a disease-free salmon. So I think we are, with the convergence and development of technology, still at the early stages of what is achievable. How many um, businesses in aquaculture would you say have access to that kind of technology right now? 100% of them. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, but there's two major uh, suppliers. One is uh, Aquagen and the other one is Salmobreed, uh, which is owned by the Benchmark Group. And the third one is in-house breeding programs. And uh, all companies of a certain size have access to the modern technology. But uh, the research is going on both inside the industry and in research institutes and in the universities. So there is a uh, flow of information between the players in the field. How would this kind of technology increase the cost for consumers or is university research kind of taking a large part of that? You won't see an increase of the price to consumer, but you will see higher production efficiency, and uh, there is a, lim a limit to how much you're able to produce. And that's actually more determining the price to consumers than the cost of input factors as breeding and genetics. Is fast growth a challenge in breeding fish? Fast growth is a challenge if you're not doing it properly, because then you might get deformities and which is reducing the output of the uh, of the fish in the production cycle so you have to have a 
growth rate that is encompassing the fish welfare and the robustness of the fish throughout uh, and enabling it to be robust throughout the whole cycle from egg to harvest. Is that when you know you've pushed the limit, I guess, is when you do see the deformities or when there's death rates within the fish? Uh, the mortality rate is still in salmon farming considered uh, too high. Some uh, of this is due to disease. Some of it is due to environmental factors. And some of the factors are still unknown. So uh, management practices and stressing the fish, for instance, is uh, one of the causes for mortalities, but it's not the enhanced and the forced growth that is causing the major problem. That's not the case. It's more with sea lice and, and disease? Uh, sea lice doesn't uh, cause mortalities per se. It causes uh, the fish to eat less and develop stress factors that reduces the growth potential. And that's one of the reasons why sea lice is considered a problem because it also affects wild salmon and uh, then puts a pressure on wild salmon stock and reduces the production quality of farm salmon. The potential with genomics and quantitative genetics is almost baffling to me that we have come so far. Can you explain the difference between a quantitative genetics and genomics? That's slightly outside my field. <laughs> okay. And the... The quantitative uh, genetics is using traditional markers like uh, growth rate and fat and things like that. When, when you start looking at gene expressions and um, the way certain genes are causing and making susceptibility for disease, and you can, if you are able to use genomic information to reduce that, that's when you start seeing a paradigm shift in the way breeding is done. How would you say that this kind of technology is shaping the industry now? It's shaping the industry uh, in the way that at the speed new technologies and knowledge uh, are being introduced uh, puts uh, a stress. But then a farmer is a farmer and uh, he or she will not just swap technologies or swap suppliers unless it's proven. So there will be a lag phase between what is possible to do in the laboratory and what is possible to achieve on farm site in a growth uh, net pen system, for instance. Uh, what are some of the benefits of growing salmon onshore compared to offshore? Uh, well, you have to distinguish here between offshore in fjords, in open containment systems, or offshore in the ocean. So that's completely different uh, requirements to the equipment and to uh, the durability and the resistance against weather and uh, external forces. Whereas closed containment system in recirculation land-based uh, systems are facing challenges related to uh, water, water quality, um, bacterial growth, while disease-free environment and also, uh, in some instances, off flavor on the taste of the end product. But there's a lot going on. <laughs> it's a lot going on. There is currently more than 20 land-based major projects under development for uh, large-scale production, several of them here in the U.S., actually. Would you be able to pinpoint a couple that you think are really kind of cutting edge? I think those who are 
Cutting Edge is a company called Atlantic Sapphire, who has a large, large site under development in the Everglades with the aim of producing 90,000 tons on land. And what they have done is um, developed a system for high-quality water supply and uh, high uh, retention of water, good water quality, and then also be able to dispose uh, of the effluents in a proper way. Another part is uh, Nordic Aquaculture, which is planning a site in Maine, in uh, Belfast, Maine. Both of these companies have the advantage that they have tried out in smaller scale and have uh, learned some of the pitfalls, maybe in a way that's very expensive because uh, by experimenting in 2,000 tons, 3,000 tons is also quite costly. But that experience is essential, I think, for their expansion now into larger scale facilities where you produce 10,000 tons and more. Would you say that some of the benefits of um, producing onshore allow you to control the water quality and some of those things? Yeah, you have a system, but uh, one thing is to control the water quality, but you also have to control the effluents like nitrogen or ammonia. And to take that out of the water, having high uh, water quality, and this is one of the challenges. But also, when you produce on land, sludge treatment, uh, how do you dispose of the waste? What you do with that? Uh, energy costs. So there are. So even though you move it on land in closed contained land based systems, there are new challenges that you will meet going forward. You had touched on uh, parasitic sea lice a little bit uh, before. How difficult is it managing this type of issue in salmon farming, and what are some of the control methods that you're seeing? The sea lice is considered as one of the uh, strongest uh, markers of uh, high-intensity production. And uh, as any kind of uh, welfare indicator, uh, sea lice is very good. One of the challenges with sea lice is that it has become resistant to most of the traditional pharmaceutical methods that you are uh, trying to do. And then since it's considered as one of the major uh, challenges in uh, Norway for Norwegian salmon farming, the innovation around preventive methods like uh, sea-based closed contain systems or uh, uh, lice skirts or even uh, using lasers to shoot off the, the lice from the fish. The, so there's a lot of development going on and management practices is also important. Some companies are starting to develop feed with anti-lice uh, effects so that uh, you will not have lice infestation on the, on the fish. But that's all uh, in early stages. So the industry says this problem will be solved. It's like a matter and question a matter of time. Well, how much do you actually think the nutritional diet of the fish plays into all of this, and, and what are they feeding to kind of control that? The specific ingredients—that's the black box. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's what they're not, not uh, telling us. But there are indications from research that uh, some components that you are able to introduce to the feed will increase both the mucosal layer on the fish, which is a part of the immune system, and 
and also uh, introduces anti-lice signals, if I may use a kind of picture, uh, so that the lice will not jump on the fish and stay there. Oh, like a pheromone or something. Yeah, that could be a pheromone, yes. Hmm. Kind of like wine, there are certain words used to describe the quality and taste of a product, whether it's bold or round or balanced, which mm-hmm. you would use for wine. In salmon, you're looking for its robustness, is that right? When you talk about uh, robustness of salmon, it's it starts with the quality on the row. It starts with uh, the size and the uh, of the smalt uh, when you rear it in fresh water and how strong it is and at which size you put it into seawater. And what research now is showing is that if you're able to rear them longer time on land from previously when they were put to sea were around 60 to 80 grams, now they put them at sea around 500, 600 grams, that you see a stronger resistance towards the harsh environment that the sea really is. Uh, so that's a part of the robustness. The other one is like uh, genetic improvement on breeding that you have bred uh, disease resistance into it. The other uh, third part is the quality of the feed, that uh, if you try to tweak the feed too much towards uh, avoiding essential amino acids and uh, essential minerals and things, you see a higher susceptibility to disease. So the whole picture and also the density at which the production environment is important. So all this is what you use then to describe the robust fish. And then when you come to the wine analogy, that's what it looks like and tastes like. And if it looks like a salmon and it tastes like a salmon, when you get it on the table. <laughs> That's always a good thing. <laughs> As aquaculture um, is expanding into other fish breeds, where do you see salmon um, competing in the future? Salmon will remain niche species if you look at the large volumes, in, in my opinion. Currently, production is around 2.2 million tons worldwide, whereas tilapia is already at uh, close to 5 million tons. If you look at other species like Pangasius or other, salmon will remain a fairly niche product. And that's also one of the reasons why the demand is for high-quality fish is over-exceeding the production possibility. So will you be looking to uh, technology like gene editing to be able to meet those demands in the future? I'm not quite sure if... The genetic attack to it is the limitation factor. It's more about area, uh, where to grow and how to grow. And that will be the solution that you are moving onshore is one solution to it. Uh, Second solution is to go offshore into the, the ocean. A third solution is to use closed uh, or semi-closed ocean or fjord-based systems, but which are uh, in a shape where you don't have the uh, risk of contaminating or infecting the next laying farm so you can actually put them much more closer together than you can today. And uh, that's, in my opinion, one of the solutions to meeting increasing demand. 
Dr. Filling Jensen is CEO of NOFEMA, the Norwegian Institute of Food, Fisheries, and Aquaculture Research. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Ag Future Podcast, presented by Alltech. For show notes and more episodes, visit alltech.com forward slash agfuture.